This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you have children over the age of 10, they probably know our next guest. John Green is well known for his young adult novels like The Fault in Our Stars, which was made into a movie. He's also known for hosting the entertaining and wildly popular YouTube channel, Crash Course, which he created with his brother. It has more than 13 million subscribers and is used in elementary and middle school classrooms across the country. Here's how he introduces a lesson about the great military general from ancient Greece, Alexander the Great. For a long time, history was all about the study of great men, and it was common to call people the great, although these days historians are less likely to do that because they recognize that one man's great is generally another man's terrible. And also the great has some misogynistic implications. Like, it's almost always men who are called the great. You never hear of Cleopatra the Great or Elizabeth the Great. Sure, there's Catherine the Great of Russia, but for her masculine greatness, she was saddled with the completely untrue rumor that she died trying to scootily poop with a horse. Saddled? Get it? Anybody? saddled with the rumor? (laughs) Well, John Green recently wrote his first book for adults, The Anthropocene Reviewed, which has a podcast of the same name that he hosts. And joining us now is author John Green. Welcome back to WBEZ and welcome to Reset. It's always a pleasure to be on BEZ where my uh, writing career started. Yeah, let's, let's start off by filling our listeners in on that. Tell us about your WBEZ connection. Well, uh, many, many years ago, I recorded commentaries for 848, the Be Easy Morning Show, and uh, I got my start really through uh, Amy Cross Rosenthal, who was a wonderful Chicago writer uh, and and mentored and encouraged a a lot of writers, including me, and uh, was just a hugely important person in my life. And for a while, you were enrolled at the University of Chicago Divinity School. You were intending to become a minister. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I, I was, uh, I, I never, I never attended a class, so I wouldn't say that I was, I got particularly <laughs> far down the line. Okay, but I did, uh, I did intend uh, at one point to become a minister, and I did work as a as a student chaplain at, at a children's hospital, which has influenced a lot of my a lot of my work since, including this new book. Yeah, well, let's pivot to the new book and the podcast. But I should probably, John, get you to start by telling us what Anthropocene means. <laughs> Yeah, it's always good to title a book um, a word that lots of people don't know, and I myself don't know how to spell. Um, <laughs> the Anthropocene or Anthropocene is a, the, a proposed term for the current geologic age, the age in which humans have become such a dominant species that, that uh, we really are a geologically significant phenomenon, reshaping the planet's biodiversity, reshaping its climate, and and so on. So it, it's not an agreed upon term yet. Like the geologists haven't agreed that we are living in the Anthropocene, but uh, but it is a proposed term, and and we are certainly living in a weird historical moment. And that's what I wanted to write about in this book. Well, you certainly have a knack for taking complicated topics and making them fun and understandable, right? And in the Anthropocene reviewed you kind of poke fun at how people want easy answers. You rate all kinds of aspects of the human experience on on this five-star scale. So I want to go through a few of them, starting with the game of Monopoly. You gave it one and a half stars. Why? Well, Monopoly is a, it's a terrible board game, for starters. But I mean, also, John, come on. It is. It's a, it's not I a, loved Monopoly growing up. Well, my my issue with Monopoly. First off, I, the five star scale is inherently ludicrous, and I'm, I was trying to <laughs> Im- 
point out how ludicrous it is in this book. But um, but my issue with monopoly is that it is uh, is, is its mealy mouthed to take on capitalism, which is a result of its incredible origin story. Monopoly was essentially stolen by its purported inventor, Charles Darrow. And so I wanted to tell that story in the book as an example of how, um, you know, we have an economic system that does a fairly good job of uh, capturing the value that's created, but it is often often captured not by the people who create it, which in the case of Monopoly, really, it, it began with a brilliant, fascinating board game created by a woman named Elizabeth Meiji that then eventually got, uh, I think, kind of distilled down into a less good board game by Charles Darrow. Oh, when you put it that way. All right. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Um, You've got an essay in there about uh, the rise and fall of the grocery chain Piggly Wiggly. Um, And you talk about how it parallels the rise of big tech. Why did you include that essay? Well, I wanted to find a way to write about how, you know, we we are now living again in a moment where these kind of individual founder figures are are really held up as, you know, paragons of... uh, of a, of a value system, but that's not new in American history. We've often had these periods where big, big corporations and their and their leaders take on a kind of outsized role in political and social and economic discourse. And Piggly Wiggly for me was a good example of that because it really was the beginning of the. It was the beginning of the supermarket, the beginning of the idea that customers would pick out their own food instead of the grocer picking it out for them, that, you know, customers would be aware of brands like Oreo cookies or Campbell's soup. Mm -hmm. And that marked a big change in American life. Wasn't your great grandfather a grocer? He was. Yeah, he was. uh, He owned a or he worked at a small grocery store in Tennessee that um, he wanted to be able to buy. Uh, but then, like many small grocery stores, it was put out of business by the rise of Piggly Wiggly. Mm. Well, you know, as we talk about big tech, one of the industries hit early by big tech was bookstores. So I wonder what your thoughts are on the loss of bookstores. Yeah, I mean, I I, I love bookstores. I, I I wrote large swaths of my second novel at, at the bookseller in Lincoln Square, and I if it weren't for bookstores, I wouldn't have read a lot of the books that I've read because a lot of my favorite books were recommended to me by booksellers. I think there is still a vibrant world of independent community oriented bookstores in the U.S. And I think that's something that we need to support because I, I, I think that we read better when books are recommended to us by, by people than when they're recommended to us by algorithms. Yeah. In the book, you also reminisce about your days in Chicago uh, in an essay about CNN. Tell us why you were watching so much of the network during that time and your thoughts on cable news. Uh, I mean, I have mixed feelings about about cable news. Um, Tell us. uh, Yeah, well, okay. (laughs) So when I lived in Chicago, I had three roommates who and we were just extremely extremely close katie shannon and and hassan and we just we lived in this house that had very few doors and so we were all together all the time and we only had one television and hassan's family uh was from 
uh, Kuwait and part of his family lived in, in Iraq. And during the er- invasion of Iraq in 2003, Hassan didn't hear from some of his family for a long time. In the end, they were OK. But he, one of the ways that he dealt with the, the stress of it was by watching CNN all the time. And so that also meant that the rest of us were watching CNN all the time. Mm-hmm. And one day, uh, just after the fall of Baghdad, we were watching as a camera panned across uh, a large home that had a big bomb hole in it that was covered over with plywood. And on the plywood was some Arabic graffiti sprawl, scrawled in, in black spray paint. And the guy on the on CNN was talking about, like, the anger in the street and everything. And Hassan started to laugh. Mm-hmm. And I said, what's so funny? And Hassan said, the graffiti. And I said, what's funny about it? And he said, it says, happy birthday, sir, despite the circumstances. And I think the big risk of cable news is if you deliver news without context, if you if you act as if you know what graffiti says when you don't actually know what it says. Uh, so, like, the job of, of journalists is really to try to bring that context. That can be a very difficult and challenging job. But I, I, I think we have to, you know, hold ourselves to account on that front. Well, you gave CNN two stars. So tell us about something that you gave five or four and a half stars to. Well, I'm very fond of uh, I'm very fond of art. Uh, so I gave five stars, for instance, to the uh, to this this photograph that I love by August Sonder called Three Farmers on Their Way to a Dance. Um, I gave five stars to sunsets. I think sunsets are super underrated, and I wanted to write about how something that's cheesy and cliche can still be beautiful and how we can find our way through the cheesiness to uh, to really appreciate and acknowledge beauty. Yeah. Well, Indianapolis, that's been your home since 2007, and you actually gave it four stars. Yeah. Your, your initial impression was different, though. How, how has the city grown on you? Oh, yeah. No, I really disliked it when we moved here. I mean, I... I uh, I love living in Chicago, and then my wife got into graduate school in New York, so we moved there, and she's a a curator of contemporary art, so I figured that we would just always go to fancy art cities, and then she told me we were moving to Indianapolis, and I was (laughs) not thrilled at first, but I have learned to really love it, because places are made out of people, and the people here are, this this is a really fascinating, diverse, interesting city. It's ugly to drive past, but when you live here, you start to understand some of the depths of it, and and it really is beautiful. So you're a YA author. What do you love about writing for teenagers? Well, I like writing. I mean, the books that I read when I was a teenager that I loved meant so, so much to me, and they continue to kind of hold me together in some ways, like they continue to mean a lot to me. I continue to reflect back on them. And so when I was starting out my own writing career, I mean, first off, I was very young, so I I didn't know anything about being anything other than 17. But also I was, I, I, I wanted, you know, to capture some of that feeling in writing that I had when I was reading when I was a teenager. Well, you include some graphic memories of of middle school bullying in the book. Can you read that passage for us? Sure, yeah. This isn't the funniest part of the Anthropocene Review, but it's a really personal book, I guess, and and this is a personal part of it. In sixth grade, I had one class in a trailer each day, 
And because of some scheduling error, the teacher of that class had to walk across the entire school to get to the trailer, which meant that for about five minutes, we students were all on our own. And many days, a group of kids would throw me to the ground and then grab me by my limbs and pull on me as hard as they could. They called this the abominable snowman for some reason. Other times, garbage was poured on my head as I sat at my desk. Aside from the physical pain, it made me feel small and powerless. But I didn't really resist it because many days it was the only time I had any social interaction. Hmm. And so you've transitioned from writing about those powerful experiences uh, that impact our, our young adults to writing for adults this time. Why did you want to do that? You know, I mean, I, I've always felt like I write the books that I want to write or like write in a way that, um, you know, that, that, that feels true to me. And then the audience part of it kind of takes care of itself. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't draw a bright line between the, the two kinds of writing, but I, I know that like in the publishing world, there, ha- there have to be those bright lines drawn so they know like what part of the bookstores to put stuff in. So for me, this, this time around, the harder part was not the idea of writing for adults. The harder part was the idea of writing as myself. Like mm-hmm. The great thing about writing fiction is that you can kind of disappear a little bit. It's almost like a way out of the the, the, the weird fact that we're going to spend our, our entire time on this planet stuck inside of one consciousness looking at, at the world through one set of eyes. And for me, like reading and writing fiction is, 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 a, is a break from, from that reality. Um, but this time I was trying to write about myself, trying to write about my way of looking at the world. And, and, and part of the reason that I wanted to write that was because amid COVID and everything, yeah. I wanted to, to understand my way of looking at the world. I wanted to, you know, try to pay a more careful and sustained kind of attention. Well, to that end, what is next? What is next for you? What are you working on? I don't even know what I'm going to do tonight. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I would like, I mean, I love writing and I I just want to be able to keep writing. I I feel so lucky to be able to um, spend my, my afternoons um, living inside of word documents so I'll just do that. As well. <laughs> yeah, I often feel like I'm living inside of Word documents too, as a journalist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's for me anyway. It's the it's the most fun part of the job, the part where you don't feel like you're um, you're even inside of yourself. You just feel like you're yeah. uh, you know trying to bring some kind of form or, or expression to something through language. Well, your new book is. Excellent. That is author John Green. I want to thank you so much for making time for us on Reset. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.